Good day, everyone. Uh, welcome back to Le Papsi de Vic uh, podcast, our pain cast today. Um, my name is Bart van Buchem. I'm a pain specialist physiotherapist. And here with me today is my dear friend and colleague, founder of uh, Le Papsi de Vic in the early, early days, like 12 years ago, it was ages ago. And we, we got bolder and more gray today. And um, but also happy we're still going strong with La Pub. So uh, Tim Beams, thank you for joining. Welcome, mate. Thanks very much. Yeah, great to be here. <laughs> yeah, and and we were we just want we thought about why not uh, putting ourselves in these podcasts because we both agree that um, we we it's not just filling the gaps. It's um, we're also very heavily involved in research and. Uh, papers and treating patients so I think we're in a great position to sort of sharing some of that and uh, the podcast is a great opportunity to share some of these insights and experiences at least um, so um, hope you enjoy today's podcast so um, let, let's just jump in and we, we, we thought about where we were talking about and recently um, we were um, well yes very recently we've both been um, asked by James McCauley. He's a, a, a researcher, psychologist um, based in Sydney, Nura. He's leading like a big group of researchers, like very influential and um, doing really important work in the, in the work in the pain field. Um, and he was asking us to collaborate and help to get therapists um, ready to um, to help us out with the trial and to basically um, deliver treatment for pay people in CRPS or having a diagnosis of CRPS and delivering um, graded motor imagery kind of or paradigm kind of uh, treatment. And, um, and that treatment has been shown to be interestingly quite successful in, um, in Australia. And now they're actually going to going abroad through the UK and uh, we thought this is a great opportunity to for us to maybe uh, even think about what is actually graded motor imagery and where does it come from in the first place and where does it sit today so Tim uh, any thoughts <laughs> just uh, that was a mic drop wasn't it if ever there was one yeah um well look, I've got lots and lots of thoughts haven't I so um I feel, well, first of all, I've got to say, I feel incredibly privileged that I was um, part of the journey of graded motor imagery and, and sort of getting it out there to the wider audience. And um, I, I'm, maybe it will be helpful to just historically sort of put us back and say, what you know, what is GMI and where, where does it come from and things. And then where do I fit? But <clears throat> GMI is very much um, a baby of, of, of Lorimer Mosley's. And uh, originally the, the idea behind it was that there were these enigmatic pain conditions like complex regional pain syndrome, phantom limb pain, brachial plexus avulsion injury, where uh, enigmatic meaning that um, they sort of had they it's like they had everything with them you know everything you could possibly find in in the in pain in 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 someone the you know the suffering the different signs and the symptoms 
um, there's huge complexity to them. And what Lorimer did is he devised a treatment approach, graded motor imagery, where the emphasis at that time was very much more taking a step back and, and coming away from the body towards a brain-based approach. And it was very much in the early days, it was very much sort of de rigueur, I guess, wasn't it? Um, that pain models and um, approaches started to adopt um, a more brain-centric <laughs> uh, perspective. So graded, graded motor imagery was, was exactly that. You know, if you were really struggling to walk, then what would be another way of, of encouraging walking? You could imagine walking. Yes. Yeah, so, so, so where would it where would it differ from, let's say, the body based to to the brain? Yeah, yeah, that's that's that, so, so that would be you know both from a rehab point of view, both might include a sort of graded approach. If you were injured in a you know if you're a sports person, you don't just suddenly go back to playing at peak level performance you gradually get back into playing and 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 getting stronger and and fitter and healthier and and that might include some game time but it wouldn't include you being straight on the pitch and playing at maximal levels um so the same sort of principles the graded approach the graded we would call it graded exposure um approach would 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 also be a part of graded uh, motor imagery, but it would be more about how we um, incorporate brain-based um, activities as opposed to bodily-based activities. So, so as I was just saying, instead of instead of actually walking, imagine walking would be one example of doing that. Yes, so, so that uh, it's quite interesting. I think without. Do you reckon without the, the pain science knowledge or even neuroscience, would it be, would this therapy therapy exist today? Like uh, imagining movement. Do you think we needed that neuroscience to even considering implementing these sorts of interventions as part of a treatment? Yeah, um, no, I, don't, I think it would do. I don't think we needed it necessarily. I mean, that's, I don't mean that to be unfair on, on Lorimer and all the work he did and his groups have done. Um, but people have used um, imagined movement, if you want, uh, visualization techniques, um, using mirrors to enable rehabilitation and give you back a sense of self. They've done it for years and they continue to do it as well. So I think it's always been a part, but it was more about integrating into the pain population. So seeing it as valuable in someone's treatment. Would, would it then be part of being accepted or a mainstream option for therapy that we needed the neuroscience to, well, let's say having releasing the depths and just try to do it because the neuroscience gave some evidence at least or gave some ideas of why this might be helpful yeah i think so and <clears throat> you, we come from a scientific um background don't we so we 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 hold that in high regard that something has gone through the rigor of scientific investigation so i think it's important that we've done that um when i say we i've been at such a tiny part of it but I think it's important that that, that that has happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, um, well, 
for people listening now and, and they're not not sort of where I'm talking about graded motor imagery, what is that? Um, could you give us a very brief introduction of what it what it represents? Yeah, yeah. So it basically it's uh, the idea is that you you grade activity and the emphasis is on cortical processing or brain brain the brain doing the work if you want and there are three separate stages the first being um the ability to identify body parts and and be able to discriminate between a left and a right body part um uh which is called left right judgment uh the second part being uh, imagined movement so we often call it explicit motor imagery and the third part being mirror therapy and and the rationale behind that was that each stage offers just something slightly different in terms of brain activation um perhaps also you know as we're looking at it now perhaps also that you in the initial stage of the left right judgment you're sort of less within your body perhaps there's less threat um as well and then as we as we move through those um stages we bring our body into into the process a little bit more and perhaps it's a little more challenging a little more potentially a little more threatening as well so back to these uh, trials and, and recruiting <clears throat> recruiting uh, therapists who be may perhaps be able to deliver this kind of therapy what would you feel like this is what is the skill set you need to be able to deliver some kind of like greater motor imagery approaches yeah um so it's a good question actually uh, so so we've had actually, we've had this discussion because um the 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 um the recruitment for therapists to be a part of the the treatment arm it, it's quite diverse so so as long as someone has skills of being able to coach has got some understanding of the neuroscience able to educate their patients then we can build the necessary knowledge around graded motor imagery and and being able to deliver that specific approach to someone so so all of that i mean it's it's changed so much now but all of that in an ideal world we would deliver it face to face but all of that can be delivered now remotely as well which which for someone with complex regional pain syndrome can be really it's just it can be so empowering because often when someone is so disabled when things are so painful just visiting your therapist can stir things up and can make it worse so it, it actually i i mean i'm so biased <laughs> but but i see this it's a really really good change so um yeah bring bring it on yeah no well i'm biased too but <laughs> but i think we also moved on from the let's say the original work that came from uh, mostly um, publications that were very much focused on the let's say the details or the nitty-gritty of left-right discrimination so is a patient able to see by seeing a hand whether it's a left or a right hand and being accurate and having the right um, speed of, of recognizing that and the mirror therapeutic approach so if you're interested, by the way, in listening to this, it's just a great motor imagery book has been co-authored by Tim as well, and uh, together with Lorna Mosley and David Butler. Um, 
interestingly i think and i think we both know but we moved on right so there is some i think we should have some caveat there so so what would you feel like what is the difference between the original work and how you would apply it today in your clinic i think the biggest difference and this is something that actually we've been trying to communicate for some time is that people um people saw the original treatment protocol and the original treatment protocol was a two-week um, stage so two weeks of left-right judgment which you just called discrimination but so we could call that interchangeably left-right judgment or left-right discrimination followed by the explicit motor imagery for two weeks and then followed that with two weeks of mirror therapy and um, it, it, the the newer way if you want but i think the more pragmatic and practical way to to deliver it is to work at an individual level so if someone needs to take a month six months over one stage then then that's absolutely necessary and and instead of feeling like okay you've done two weeks of that let's just shelve it and move on to the next thing you might also have concurrently one phase running at the same time as you starting another phase so it's it's a lot more individualized. The other, I mean, there are there are a number of different things that I'm thinking of. There are another uh, a couple of things where findings like someone's attention and awareness towards a, a painful bodily part in CRPS typically would be more of a neglect-like phenomenon. So it's like they they struggle to put their awareness on that body part or it's taken away from the from the pain so so often the, the protocol it was more like an insistence that you train your awareness on that painful body part now clearly that isn't the case for everybody because some people their attention is massively high and heightened towards that painful body part so if you if you train something that's already very well trained if you want you're just getting better at being in pain in that case so you're just training your attention to be even better on the painful body part so now we have a lot more flexibility as it should be that say right these are our findings we found that someone has heightened attention awareness towards this painful bodily part <laughs> instead of training that how could we train awareness away from it how can we equal it up how can we sort of balance things through the body so it's yeah it, there's a lot more flexibility individually and for not just the patient but for the clinician as well so what would be the difference for the from a patient's perspective so if, if there was an old school if you say a very maybe essentially maybe the first step in implementing this this paradigm and then today so what will be the the difference from a patient's perspective could you is that possible to to reflect on that oh god i, I, I honestly I, i'm not sure i'd have to ask people but I, I have asked people in the past um so patients who've taken who've gone through this process and and the way that they've summarized their ideas of gmi i think fit really nicely now i i've got in my head i've got one lady who described graded motor imagery as um as it was like her pain uh, each time she was trying to reach her destination she found that the that the route was blocked 
and GMI gave her an alternative route to the destination she was trying to get to. And I think that's a really nice way of describing what GMI is. You, you know, you, you've got pain, let's say, we've all had pain, we've all recovered from pain, and we've all done a number of things that have allowed us to recover from pain. And what we see with CRPS, for instance, is that those strategies are no longer effective. So it, it very much is about saying, okay, what would an alternative pathway look like? And and GMI, I think, you, you, however you conceptualize it, however you describe it, the what you know, whatever word is that you use to describe what you're doing, I think that's what that, that is in essence what you're trying to do. Yeah. So would you still like labeling it as a brain focused? treatment today i don't <laughs> i don't but if, some, if someone does if my patients are going to say that i'm not going to correct them you know that's fine um but but i would say it's uh, i'm more interested in in an embodied approach um i'm interested in how that relates to their world their life um their well-being maybe their suffering as well so um, I'm more interested in them as a, a whole person as opposed to just seeing it as a brain-based thing. Mm. Would you consider it, so whether it's, is it a problem? Whether it's a brain or a, well, so we, we at LaPup, we are pretty focusing on the person-centered or uh, care, I guess. That's where we, what, at least what we're promoting. Um what would what, what, would you feel like there is an issue with brain focus or body focus or whatsoever what is your yeah I, I think how like my my problems with being too focused on the brain is that you miss a bigger picture so what is it in this person's life um and it, and and as you work with them as you well know as you work with them, the story unravels, their narrative unravels, doesn't it? So although we might be um, introducing a brain-based technique like GMI, um, you're also coaching them through the process, aren't you? You're supporting them, guiding them. You're acting as a, you know, in many different guises, you're, you're acting as that support and that safety net. And, and <clears throat> there might be a number of things that they are working on at the same time, um, you know, their general well-being, their diet, their sleep, whatever it might be. Um, um, it might be a more financial level. It might be more at a relationship level that they're working. So, and all of those influence the possibility for change um, that you might experience as you take them through a GMI um, approach. And I think we sort of, could dive a bit deeper in the skill set. You said like you need that coaching and there is this, you need to have some knowledge about neuroscience and education. Um, from your your personal experience, where, where would you feel like, where is the power of this approach? So where do you feel like this is the, the heavy weight of, of an approach? Where do you feel really comfortable in and where do you feel like this is very helpful for you as a clinician? to use oh wow that's um that's a such an interesting question <laughs> um i think what 
happened to me in my career is that it created optimism and hope. So when I worked with people who had often seen many other therapists and were, you know, I think understandably quite desperate and um, in massive amounts of pain and hugely disabled, that I was able to remain quite optimistic and hopeful because they're not just the science behind it, but because I was able to take people through um, quite a creative, um, individualized, creative approach. And, and I, oh, I suppose as I'm thinking about your question, it's a really, really, really good question. I think what it gave me was the, the ability to be hopeful for change. And at the heart of it, um, it sort of opened up creativity in me. Mm. But the power in the person is the it empowers that person. So um, it is something that you can do for yourself regularly. You, you are in charge. You can be the, the sort of the, the driver in that process. So I would say, yeah, there are features that fit 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 the two of you i guess yeah it's great right i guess that that's where an approach and whether it's it's feldenkrais or um or whatever therapeutic approach you would i could come up with the 20 others but i don't have to mention them but but it's like that's where it started right with that hope and where you feel like, oh, I really feel really comfortable with this. And I think by the time when this idea came out, it was quite pretty much ahead of its time. It was like, wow, this is something totally different. And when you start doing it um, or starting, well, not, is it like a doing thing, but it's like using the ideas, <laughs> I reckon. And it feels like be really helpful for some people that empowers yourself as well, as well as it does with the patient. I, I can relate to that very strongly here yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's yeah it's interesting so over time um what changes have you made so today and i think we just cross we, we sort of tick this box perhaps but i think i really think that we it's very important so what is changed for you in in by using that knowledge yeah. to do something really clinical today yeah yeah um Oh. oh god it's so difficult to say um i think i like looking back so when i first was introduced to gmi was probably 15 16 years ago so so much has changed it's tough to know but i i, I think i think the the con the concept of me being comfortable uh, uh, being more of a coach and a guide and support um i think fits gmi really nicely um you know working collaboratively instead of hierarchically so um yeah i think they're some of the biggest changes for me mm, yeah yeah they are like that so so there is this where where it may not have so where i feel like you're saying here is that it may not it maybe it started as a like a, a method like a protocol and now mm -hmm. it's 
truly embedded in your toolbox and you're using parts of it and not necessarily in in that's what we found right so not necessarily the the order is not always as important so you might see where patients are and you're more flexible and using it more confident in you're more confident in using it uh um and that's what i learned from you as well i i feel yeah i feel confident but you know there there's still challenges and <clears throat> one of the challenges is um is for instance interpreting the data uh, that you get and then you get some really lovely data from the left right judgment task you know immediately you have some data that you can explore together but but then where you take that data with someone when they are um their framework of understanding is so wildly different so so although you might see gmi as a really helpful option there it, there are still constraints there's barriers there's difficulties there's challenges um and 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 it is still although it's gone a long way um i remember dave butler used to describe it as a it's a bit like a newborn therapist therapy um back back when you know mid 2000s and now it's probably like an unruly um toddler isn't it <laughs> running around and you know it's got a lot more growth to go um still evolving yeah. still evolving yeah I mean, which I like from yeah that's yeah. it that's beautiful i mean the evolution like originally when i first started to try and apply left right judgment tasks we took like loads of pictures and laminated pictures of i think it was feet actually we had loads of feet of pictures of feet that we laminated and and that was what i had in my clinic room and and then we had a cd that we loaded on a on a on my laptop in in my clinic and um i don't even have a cd player now so you know things have evolved you could just get your phone out or an ipad out and you've, you can immediately do this and my patients now send me I've, I've got an email actually i need to to answer this just popped up but here's a lady just she's just sending me her results through and just saying I've done them now. Um, what do they mean? And in fact, her comment is is baffling to me, which is is really interesting, isn't it? Like she's she's done this test. She's none the wiser having done it. So um, yeah, there's it, there's an awful lot for for us to do together in 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 that case to to interpret to make sense of them, and then having found what we found is to then say, okay, could this be something that you could take on you know would you be interested in training this yeah this is really nice where, where it sums up pretty nicely what we're aiming for here at La Pub, but also being part or being involved in research projects like james mccauley's research on the on the crps trial where where there's this ongoing curiosity to let's test this like and let's try to do it together and we can make this better for patients and then rather than like this is the protocol just follow it and if it's if it's telling you it's not that great just refuse it and to read it and just go on with doing it and and i think um at least greater motor imagery the people who are involved in this in this um in this like this decade of <laughs> uh, um decade of 
greater my dreams or is part of this is it's, it's still evolving and i think it's excited to be part of that and i'm, I'm encouraging people to just contact us right um through lapart we can help you to get contact with the with the research group and they will be stoked as they would say in australia to hear about you hear from you and see if you can be part of this and uh, perhaps you could be one of the therapists who is be able to deliver this care and improving it as well yeah in fact yeah you can get in touch with me i can put you in touch with everybody so yeah, yeah right yes yeah, we'll do that no problem click us an email and we'll make sure you will get in touch with the right people there this is great um awesome so final question which we always do um um asking you tim if there were two people you can join uh you, you can invite for a drink like a proper drink like a good one drink and having a like a good conversation about all these exciting um, oh yeah oh stuff who would be who would be on my list it's that's it's now and then i ask this question to people and then i'm like oh i wonder how, what they're going to come up with <laughs> yeah. it's i it's such an awesome question isn't it i i wonder whether i uh, i would like to just go for a drink with someone in person because <laughs> i feel like i've been shut away a bit for the last few years and there's a few people that i haven't been able to catch up with so um I would love to, Bar. I'd love you to come for a drink with me, and um, and maybe we could could we could we invite Lorimer and Dave to come along and we could catch up with them and oh, that'd uh, be good, eh? Yeah, I, I mean, I I've been so fortunate in my career. I've had um, uh, you know, I've met some amazing people. A lot of them through the pub and i feel and a lot of them are my friends you, you, you now um they're not colleagues they're they are genuinely like my <laughs> my best mates and i feel really uh, yeah really privileged about that so yeah i just love to go and chew, chew chew things over with with the three of you yeah that'd be lovely oh make sure that will happen in a proper um, in a proper in a proper kentish pub near me uh <laughs> around the it's a bit cold as we're recording it. It was hailing a few minutes ago, so it's a bit it's, and it's snowing here now. Here in the Netherlands, yeah. So yeah, quite unique though. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right, um, that's um, that, that's a great um, selection of people. Um, well, I feel privileged to be included there, Tim. <laughs> Thank you for that. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> I take that. All right, let's wrap this up. So um, my take generally um graded motor imagery still evolving it's curiosity it's creativity it's patient and clinicians experience has been pushing this forward like even like big groups from sydney are still chasing the research and trying to get the data and getting the the, the, the data like sort of not necessarily is necessarily supporting what we would like to hear but building a fundament for for improvement and direction is this is what how i know james mccauley very well from he's um he's not afraid to to 
just this is what the data suggests right and we're not gonna play around with this um, um so we feel really confident and um excited to be part of that as Lapop. and once again if you're excited about this whole thing um just click us an email and we will make sure we'll get in contact with uh, the people who are running this trial so um thank you for listening and um we're gonna see each other soon again timmy um thank you for listening again for everyone uh, on the podcast um perhaps in another week or two we uploading a new uh, session and um looking forward to that one see you again bye bye thank you very much